Non, c'est ce que je disais. Oui, moi, c'est bâti, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. The time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? No! I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel of the Sun. You've got to say, I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! Babel, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. I'm a man! Well? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leia, and Abdel Abdel Kishin. We won! Oh, it is not over. We must continue. Oh. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to podcast number 77 uh, for filmotomy.com. Um, got quite a crowded podcast today to do our halftime report for 2019. Uh, so today I'm joined by five others. Uh, I'm going to get them to introduce themselves, starting with my assistant, who's just come back from Edinburgh. Hello, you all right? Um, I'm going to uh, just say something um, in Scottish. Okay, the new. So uh, <laughs> that's the only Scottish I learned. Uh, I saw some really good films up, to, up in Edinburgh. So Good, good. Uh, we've also got... Uh, our favourite Australian. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, we, we just a couple of weeks ago had the Sydney Film Festival, so uh, I'm still exhausted, but it was uh, fun as usual, quite chaotic, and yeah, I definitely saw my favourite film of the year so far at that festival. Wow. Uh, and also three kind of newcomers for me. Uh, I'll start with David. Hello, David. Hey, everybody. Hey, glad to be here. And I'm also joined by Catherine. Hi, nice to meet everybody. And also Max. Yep, hi, nice to meet all of you. Fantastic. So Max, I believe you've been to a festival as well this year. Uh, is it I, a festival that we might have heard of? <laughs> I've been to a few, but most recently can, yeah. Uh, so let's let's start with you, if that's okay. I mean, um, what what were the sort of standouts for you? There? I mean, were the films that you came away thinking, you know, wow. Well, uh, one I think I have in common with Doug, which is uh, *Parasite* by Bong Joon-ho. Hmm. Right after I saw it, I said, "This is going to win the Palm," and it did. So I was quite happy with that. And uh, I also really loved a Finnish film called *Dogs Don't Wear Pants* which is a black comedy about grief and uh, sadomasochism. So that's a special one. Uh, also from Cannes in my top ten, I Lost My Body, which is a French animated film about a severed hand that goes looking for the rest of the body. It's very simple, but very poetic, very touching, and it's going to be on Netflix by the end of the year. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which won Best Screenplay, which is 
the best French film I've seen in a very long time. Uh, Joan of Arc, also from France, which I really liked. Although if you have a hard time with Bruno Dumont, you're probably not going to enjoy it. And then The Whistlers, which is this crime comedy by a Romanian filmmaker called Cornelius Boyu. And it's about this community that talks only in uh, whistles. You have to learn their language, which is made entirely of whistles. Um, uh, Doug, so you've seen Parasite as well. I mean, what, what, which festivals have you been in and what, what stood out for you? Yeah, so I, we're kind of lucky with the Sydney Film Festival is it, is it runs not long after Cannes, so we often get quite a few films that have sort of just debuted there. Uh, and like last year, we got Black Klansman straight away, and so this year we yeah we uh, we got uh, Pain and Glory as well, which uh, Antonio Banderas won Best Actor for, um, and he is phenomenal in that film, um, and it is a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, he will absolutely be in contention for Best Actor this Oscar season. Um, it's a, yeah, a really personal film from uh, Almodovar and it's beautifully shot and uh, we, we got a, a film called Britney Runs a Marathon as well, which was probably one of the most surprising films I've seen in a while. I guess I went in expecting very little um, stars Gillian Bell, who's had some supporting performances here and there in uh, like 22 Jump Street and Rough Night where She's really just been a supporting character and this is her first real lead performance. And it, it, it looks like just a sort of generic, inspiring comedy about, you know, a, a slightly chubby girl wanting to get a bit healthier and run a marathon. But there's a lot more to it than that. And she absolutely shines in it. Uh, we also got Her Smell, which is uh, Elizabeth Moss playing like a Courtney Love style rocker. Um, it's it's loosely based apparently on Axl Rose but obviously because it's a female it seems much more Courtney Love-esque and um, it's a really difficult film to kind of get through but her performance is, is unbelievable what I already know I don't want to quit I just want to be in I've tried and I've tried and I've tried you've all stuck with me control of it till the very end I don't really want to talk about high life because um, I am in the minority on this one and didn't really enjoy it, but I can see why people, it's certainly a lot of five-star reviews for that one, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, and what else did we get? Uh, the Dead Don't Die, which also debuted at Cannes, uh, which is the sort of zombie mega ensemble cast. But yeah, Parasite was was the one after, especially after winning Palm the Palm Door, I was desperate to see, and was the first five star film I've seen this year. It's um, it's something I don't want to tell people about because I went into it not knowing anything about the plot, and my experience was better for it because it's such a surprising film, and it's just impeccably made. The screenplay is a dream. It's black comedy. It's hilarious. It's disturbing. It's twisted. It's it's everything you want in a piece of cinema. Bianca, you've been to Bonnie Scotland. Yeah. Seen some films we've probably not heard of. Um, so I mean, tell us your picks. What, what, what sort of surprised you? Um, so I came across one of my favourite films this year, which was Carmilla, 
Um, directed by Emily Harris. It's uh, based on a gothic novel of the same name. And it's about um, a young woman called uh, Laura who um, is lives this life of, you know, um, it's in this 18th century so she's all alone and uh, she doesn't have any friends and then one day a mysterious girl turns up in at her house and um, may or may not be a witch but it's about her sort of self-discovery it's about sort of um, finding one's identity and a sexual awakening and it's beautifully shot all shot with natural light um, it looks gorgeous on screen. The performances are amazing, and it's just a film that I was so pleasantly taken back by that the moment I watched, finished watching it, I automatically wanted to watch it again. And I also came across another great film by a female film director called Hurt by Paradise. Um, which my review is up on Filmotomy, so go and check it out. Uh, but this is the British version of Francis Ha, one of my favourite films. Um, so it's just really, really good. Um, great black and white cinematography, a really good performances, and it's about a young woman who is um, a struggling poet and a single mother sort of trying to juggle the responsibilities of motherhood um which sounds like it's going to be a very serious film but it's actually a very funny and heartwarming um movie so it was really good and i've also went to sheffield documentary film festival uh, which i saw some really really great documentaries this has been a really good year for documentaries so far so i'm still buzzing from edinburgh so. And, and still in therapy from Sheffield. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Traumatising. Yeah, it's some of the documentaries are hard going, but I came across a really good documentary at Edinburgh called Bludgeoned, which was a documentary about medieval reenactments uh, and uh, set in New Zealand. And it's like watching flight of the concords or something it was so funny and it feels like a mockumentary but it's all true like all these people are real and it's a real event where these people go with like uh real weapons to beat each other up right i'm gonna bring the other two in now before they um fall asleep um, not because you're boring bianca but just because uh, you haven't spoken <laughs> really but uh, Catherine, just quickly come to you uh, um have you had any sort of festival activity in the last six months um, uh, yes, I have. Um, it was back in March, so um, my memory is a little, a little faded by then, but um, I'll, I, there's two that still have stuck with me. Um, and just for those who don't know, uh, South by Southwest Film Festival happens in March every year, um, and it happens alongside um, the bigger conference, which is called South by Southwest, just like conference and festival. So there's a music festival and an interactive festival going on at the same time. It's one of my favorites. You guys have to come if you ever have a chance. So two, um, like Bianca was saying, documentaries have been pretty um, pretty good this year. So mine are actually two documentaries from South by Southwest. Um, one is called Stuffed. Um, and for those who don't know, it's uh, it focus on, focuses on taxidermy, which you think would be kind of weird and gross. And depending on whether you're a vegetarian, you might think like, oh, I don't want to watch that. But it was directed by Erin Durham, a female filmmaker based in North Carolina. 
Um, and I just want to say that it's so cinematic. It's so beautiful. And I got to actually interview her as well. And so just learning about her process and how she um, she was able to kind of basically go through the scientific, like the people who do taxidermy for museums, the people who do it for um, art, um, just a whole different uh, like breakdown of everything. So you kind of get a grasp of this whole world that um, I think few people know. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, you go around to cocktail parties, people say what they do. First, they think I'm joking. I am a taxidermist. I'm an anatomical sculptor, as well as a taxidermist. It's almost like learning that somebody you just shook hands with is a mortician. And then, of course, there's the people that immediately think that I'm killing things, and I've, I've never killed anything in my life. And then also another one, it kind of hits home, it's based in San Antonio, um, is Ernie and Joe, directed by Jennifer McShane. Um, and it follows two officers with the San Antonio Police Department Mental Health Unit who are diverting people away from jail and into mental health treatment. Um, so there's these two guys in San Antonio, and it's, um, it's, it was just really emotional because they're actually one of the few mental health units uh, with police departments in the U.S., and I'm guessing maybe in the world, I'm not sure. They're just doing really great work, and so we get to follow them and see what they're doing with um, their approach to uh, people who are, uh, they get called 911 on and they approach it differently than just kind of putting their guns up, which is a kind of an issue here in the U.S. So it's definitely something that you need to watch. Um, we'll go to David now, uh, if he's still with us. Uh, David, any, any festival activities? Uh, so I've only actually gotten to go to one festival this year, the Damn Short Film Festival here in Nevada, um, which, of course, doesn't have features. It's a short fest. Um, and that was, like, all the way back in January. So I think I'll just have to uh, save my comments for when we start talking about other movies. I, I, I've not been to a festival either. So, I mean, I'll just talk about some of the films I've seen. Theatrically, I suppose, that's released this year was probably Thunder Road. Um <laughs> It's an incredible film. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Um, the writer, director, the actor, Jim Cummings, is actually very, he's very active on Twitter as well. Um, so if you if you get to follow him, he'll follow you. He'll be a friend. And this film is like, has anyone seen it? Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's kind of heavy, funny. Top films are kind of all 2018 releases because of UK, because <laughs> they don't get released generally. I'm just going to reel them off. Uh, Thunder Road's one of them, but the other four would be uh, Sunset, which is the Hungarian film. Um, it's now available to stream, finally, but it never came to the UK cinema, so I had to wait. I've just recently seen that. That, that is really good. Um, Long, uh, Long Day's Journey into Night, which was at Cannes last year, and finally got to see that one. Um, it's just a mesmerizing film. The, the guy who made um, Kalili Blues was his debut film a couple of years ago, uh, Chinese director. Very visual. Uh, Kapanen, which is the. Mm, that's on mine, yeah. Nadine Labaki, which. That and Long Day's Journey Tonight are my only two five star films. Uh, and I'm also going to add the. There's a Finnish film you probably never heard of called Void. Um, that's from last year. 
it's kind of bittersweet. It's also black and white. It sounds a bit like the film Bianca was talking about. Very serious relationship issues, but done in a quite bittersweet way. I feel like I'm scraping the barrel there with sort of films. My favourite films are from last year, you know, production-wise. Has it been a good year for, for cinema so far? Are we impressed? I think there's been some great stuff this year, but I do think in the uh, the previous few years, when I'm, like, getting to the halfway point, I'm already seeing some movies that are, like, real true favorites whereas this year they're just like some pretty good movies i I don't think it's been as good as the last few years Mm, i i kind of feel that way as well Uh, i don't know i feel like there's there's good movies but you've got to sort of hunt around for them Mm -hmm. and the movies that are kind of being talked about are you know, the Marvel movies and the Disney movies, and it just feels like, you know, uh, everyone's talking about those movies, but uh, you've really got to look around to to find the, the gems. And also Netflix isn't, the, the content that Netflix has been bringing out this year hasn't been that great. Mm. And and I think like the the sort of summer season as well with the obviously the more mainstream stuff has been particularly disappointing this year. Mm. You know, with thing, things like Men in Black and Godzilla and um, X Men Dark Phoenix, like it's just been one after the other of just these dull dull blockbusters that just are that just give you nothing, and it just becomes nauseating. I guess I like with going week after week to see these things. It's just that there's nothing there and. The, the, I guess that's the refreshing thing there when you go to a festival and it's like, oh, thank God, like there's there's something mm. else to see that that's trying, that's actually trying because I feel like a lot of these franchises and tentpoles, I mean, they've always been fairly lazy, but they seem even lazier this year that they're just, they're not trying anymore. They're, they're, they're putting things out that have some connection to something else and thinking that's enough that, okay, this is a remake or this is a spin-off or a reboot or a sequel, and that's all we have to do because it's going to earn, you know, a truckload of money and we don't actually have to try because we know you're going to come out and see. And we've seen with some of those box office results that people are, people are over it. They're, they're, they're not prepared to go and see something just because it has name recognition now um, outside of Disney, which can put out anything and earn money. Um, well, so I think it flop. Well, yeah, that's been the one blip, <laughs> yeah. I think, of them this year. <laughs> but everything else, I mean, even something like Aladdin, which was so terribly lazy in its, you know, just basic shot for shot, plus some, some minor differences here and there. It's like he, even that has now, it's pushing over $800 million. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, just from my perspective over here, um, I I feel like I was writing this list and it was really hard for me. And I was like, what have I watched this year? And then I realized it's because I'm watching more TV because that's where more compelling content is coming from um, in some ways. And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to have anything to talk about. I mean, I have a few favorites um, just because I'm a big action junkie. So, like, John Wick 3 is one of my favorites from this year. Um, And uh, Late Night I really enjoyed, and I'm really um, upset that that – I mean, I'm really sad that that didn't kind of take off. Um, But even that had some issues, so it wasn't perfect. Who are you? I'm Molly. Mm-hmm. I'm a new writer. You want to sit down? Okay. That's where metal sits. Could you sit down, please? Oh, I'll just use uh, this trash can. 
there's, you know, there's hardly any trash in it at all. Oh, it's kind of comfortable, better than a chair. But yeah, it was, it's kind of been hard to um, get excited to go to the movies this year, at least for the first half. Uh, Men in Black really disappointed me, and I, I'm a big, like, blockbuster fan, but honestly, like, I just kind of yearn for the yesteryear, and I'm kind of just going to watch the old blockbuster movies to make me feel better about this summer. <laughs> And so that's kind of been um, really disappointing. And honestly, it's the documentaries that are kind of keeping my attention because I finished watching Apollo 11, um, and that was amazing. And that, but that happened in Jan- that came out in January. So it's like, what else is there right now? Um, and um, and then Netflix released Fire, and then Hulu released the Fire Festival. So those were fun to watch, and that got me excited, but there hasn't been much that has been making me want to go to the movies, unless I have, like, a press screen for it or something like that. Yeah. So. I wish I lived in London, really, because the press screenings that I, that I get into, I could actually go to them instead of giving them away, you know, because, I mean, where I'm from, I don't like slagging my hometown, but it's like, I look, there's four decent cinemas here, uh, and I look at the listings, um, and what am I going to go see, and it's like, Oh, I don't really know. You know, it's all the same films at all four. They don't really differ. Mm. And then, so then I go online and I look at BFI play. I look at movie and I look at perhaps iTunes, what I've missed from last year. And then obviously the, the range is, I don't expect the cinema to cover that, but but I want to go to the cinema. I, you know, I don't always want to watch a film on my, on my TV. Um, but those films that I see on you know, the that film Sunset, the Hungarian film, that's never come into my city, ever. I don't know how mm. long that. You know, I have to watch that on the TV. I'd love to see it on the big screen because it's very visual, but I don't have that option. So it's kind of frustrating. You know, you take the festivals away uh, and I'm left with four cinemas where it, you end up going to the one that's the cheapest because they're all the same lineup. Except for the kids, there's always something for the kids. Well, I've got two of them, so that's all right, but they're, they're not going to watch Thunder World, are they? <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe they are, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also feel like this year has been a really bad year for horror. I don't know. I I haven't, obviously, I haven't, Midsummer's not open here yet. Mm. Um, but the horror films that I have come across, um, they've been really disappointing, just like Pet Cemetery. And uh, I guess as well, I was a bit disappointed with us which I was expecting something a little bit less confusing, but I don't know. Well, hopefully Annabelle Comes Home can save the year for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the funny thing. Like, I, I was actually quite surprised at how much I enjoyed Annabelle, but maybe I've just been so disappointed because I, I was not a fan of Child's Play at all, and I know a lot of people were. Um, and, and I think with us, we, we got it in Australia a couple of weeks after the US, so it, it was kind of overhyped by the time we got it, and that's always a dangerous thing uh, because you kind of, I guess you go in, you try not to have expectations, and the reaction to that was so high that I, I don't think it could have ever met what, what we were all expecting it to be. I mean, it's still, it's a great film. Um, and Jordan Peele is, you know, has stamped his claim as someone who, who understands the genre really well. But, yeah, I think it was reaching for themes that it didn't properly explore and, you know, it was maybe didn't fully fulfill the promise it kind of started out with. There's a family in our driveway. And it's probably the neighbours. But you have a family? Hi, can I help you? 
Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. I get something like Annabelle seemed seemed to kind of understand what it was and not try to do anything it wasn't. And sometimes that's refreshing when something just knows exactly what it is, stays in its lane and gives you some sort of breezy entertainment. And it, but again, it's like, it wasn't scary. And is that the kind of be all and end all of a horror movie? It didn't, I didn't walk away like going to have nightmares about it. Like I did hereditary last year. So yeah, I think the scariest thing I've seen this year is uh, Toy Story 4, and I'm only joking, because there are some creepy bits in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the best horror film I saw this year was actually in Cannes. I saw a restored print of The Shining as a midnight film. Yeah. Although my favorite cameo this year has been Keanu Reeves and Always Be My Maybe. So yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least we got Ke- it's the year of Keanu Reeves, which I'm not <laughs> mad about. I'm okay with it. That was good, yeah. I did. I like that. I, I like that film. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other horrors. I mean, yeah, I've seen Pet Cemetery. I've seen Us. I suppose there's... there there was the sequel to Happy Death Day. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I actually enjoyed that. I thought it was funny. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I, I had a bit of a problem with the review, though, because they explained the origin of the time loop in the first 15 minutes, but it was not in the trailers. So I had to put a disclaimer saying. Not a spoiler, but if you don't want to know what happens at the very beginning, don't read. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll touch on the superhero stuff, because I would say it's, regardless of your opinions on, on the comic book films, I think it's been a pretty good start, considering the overall year has been a bit lacklustre. Um, I think with a film like, you know, Glass, I think it's been a really good year for superhero movies. Um <laughs> I think the three stars... That was, that was the first film I saw this year, and it wasn't a great way to start the year. No, but <laughs> Captain Marvel, um, obviously Endgame, and, and Shazam. Um, mm. I, don't, I, look, I don't think anyone really has any problems with those three, regardless of if you like the genre or not. I mean... I was pleasantly surprised by Shazam. That was... Yeah. I mean, Aquaman was pretty poor, but I can understand why people like that. But Shazam showed me that you know, there is still some, still some gas left in the tank for for DC, but um, definitely, yeah, Marvel. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do really next. Whether, I mean, I, I'm sure they, they they'll be able to still make money and everything, but I'm not. I I don't know about Spider Man. I just I don't know. If it, no. It's, I, I did see it, but I don't know if that counts as, like, what we can talk about <laughs> since it's coming out in July, but I can speak to it if, if it counts. Yeah, you can, you can mention it. Go for it. Um, I thought it was, I mean, I, I kind of go from it different angles. First of all, did it entertain me? And yes, it did. It's fun. Um, and some of the reviews I've been reading have been kind of mad at the fact that they're still, um, I guess, using the aftermath of like Endgame and the first um, mm. 21 films of uh, Marvel. But then my thing to that is, well, how can they not? You know, like, it just mm. happened. Like, Endgame just happened, and Spider-Man is, um, was really close to Tony Stark. And so, of course, there's going to be some elements to that. And I think if they hadn't included some of the aftermath of Endgame, then people would probably be complaining, saying, oh, they didn't use, they didn't use Endgame. So... Um, Honestly, like, it's a little bit of a fluff movie, I think, which I think after Endgame is okay with me. Um, mm. I'm okay with, just because, 
I don't want something that's going to start another, like, oh, there's an infinity stone, and, like, then we go off on this thing. Like, having a breather, I think, is okay, but um, I think it's an okay start. It's not going to – and the visual effects for me, which is a big deal for me, is were really cool. They kind of were reminiscent of Spider-Man um, Into the Spider-Verse, which I thought was a cool homage. Mm. I think after Endgame, I kind of didn't want to go in there and have to think so hard. I just wanted <laughs> to enjoy a film. So for me, I'm okay, but I know from some of the reviews I've seen, people are like – already nitpicking and be like this is a horrible start and I'm just like can we just enjoy a movie for once like <laughs> like um, I think in some ways um, and maybe that's just because there hasn't been very good movies this summer so I'm just like oh my god this is actually like it's not, it doesn't suck <laughs> you know so I think that's also could be it maybe Nick Fury's calling you I don't really want to talk to Nick Answer Fury phone. why because if you don't talk to him then I have to talk to him I don't want to talk to him you sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. And I, I think it's it's reminiscent last year of how we went from Infinity War into Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, we needed something with a bit lower stakes and not so quite large and not so down and depressing. And th- there is some elements of that in Far From Home, obviously because Peter is dealing with the death of his mentor. Um, yeah. But once it kind of moves away from that, it does become a lot more fun and sort of just breezy and enjoyable, but uh, still connected to that larger franchise while kind of going its own path. Yeah, I think people are just being a little too harsh on it, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, I love the fact that I never knew I needed Jake Gyllenhaal as a, in a Marvel movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. So that, I think that was a good way to also, um, since it is a little bit lower stakes in this film in some ways, having him there kind of has that star power to like keep you in after like after seeing Endgame and be like, why do I need to go to another Marvel movie? So I think it is, it's a good first movie after Endgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised you mentioned um, Booksmart yet, which I think oh. is probably the, the favourite universally. I think it's mm. probably at the top. Mm. Has everybody seen Booksmart? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Although I I have to say I'm probably the only one here who didn't see it in theaters because it came out on Netflix while I was in Cannes. Oh, of course, it's available on Netflix yeah, in France. Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, America as well. Well, te- technically it's not released in my country yet, but they did a press screening for us a couple of weeks ago. So I'm technically not allowed to talk about it <laughs> because Australia is embargoed until mid July when it comes out. Oh, oh god, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Are we, are we I know. Go ahead. I'll just, I'll just be quiet for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we could just put loads of bleeps, can't we? Like, no, that's yeah. bleep, bleep. Uh, David, have you seen it? What do you think? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, like the whole you have to go see this movie thing was a little, little like overreaching but i mean i i enjoyed it quite a bit though i mean i thought it was really funny you know a a, a new take on the super bad formula and um i i think that the uh, main stars are great you know really really fun supporting cast and uh i thought it was a lot of fun i i love that film i i think it's going to be i'm I hope it becomes like a cult classic in the sense of like clueless and mean girls. So, and I think as well, it's been a really good year for female filmmakers, uh, and you know, especially dealing with films about having female characters at their centre. I mean, I know that probably not everybody liked Unicorn Store, 
But again, that was another really interesting sort of, like a coming of age tale, um, and also from Cap, you know, directed by Captain Marvel herself. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's good to see actresses like Brie Larson and Olivia Wilde going into filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I thought um, Unicorn Star was cute. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Mm. Yeah, but I would I would I wouldn't put it on the list. But I would say if you're just maybe at the end or you want to watch something that's not gonna you don't have to go too deep into it's it's nice. Yeah, I like that film. I think Brie Larson's obviously got a lot of stick, and I think that film took a lot of time getting distributed. And also, um, it's like Catherine, Catherine said it's on her list. So it's but it's like that mentality that if it doesn't make the list, it's garbage. And that film kind of got treated like that. And I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I thought she, she did what she wanted with it. You know, and it's a very personal story. And it had similarities to Ladybird, whatever you say. Yeah, not and she fun. has the best pyjamas in that movie. Like, <laughs> I want yeah. those pyjamas and I can't find them anywhere. <laughs> and I loved seeing Samuel L. Jackson have, like, glitter thing in his hair coming out. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think that movie I really I related to also because um, we have a lot of coming of age stories um, out of like high school. But sometimes you need one for when you're coming out of college and like becoming an adult, transitioning to an adult. So it was nice seeing someone who doesn't know what to do after um, because I've been in that situation and turning thirty and I'm like, what's going on? So I think in some ways I was like, oh my god, this is like me a few months ago or something. So. I I enjoyed that part of the story. Did you always know this is what you wanted to do? Or did you want to do another thing first? Like, did I dream of figure skating, but my parents wouldn't pay for the lessons? You don't want to be a temp forever, do you? Get Got a letter for you. Get ready. Get ready for what? Also, I feel um, just looking at the movies that I've watched, um, like Captain Marvel came out in March. And so usually, I don't. There, it feels like the blockbusters are moving just like keep going um, at the yeah. beginning of the year. And I'm like, why yeah. aren't they? Like, I don't like that because for me, I'm I grew up in the '90s, so I'm used to like or 2000s, and I'm used to like summer. Yay! Let's watch all the like the those kind of movies. And so they're also moving them up when I feel like those movies, the comedies, probably would have hit better. So maybe that's also kind of a symptom of just like these early release dates for these uh, superhero movies, which I don't know, maybe it's just one thing, but, or I'm way off, but I don't know. It feels like it's just our summer blockbuster season just keeps moving earlier and earlier. And I'm, I'm not a fan of that either. Yeah. Yeah. I think once upon a time, Captain Marvel, Shazam, even something like Dumbo would have absolutely been summer movies. And yet they were all kind of March, April. Um, Definitely eats into the time when, I guess smaller things probably had a clearer run, so they're not competing with these large things, but now these the, the major studios are, are looking to dot their major films throughout the year rather than condensing them all in one period. And, yeah, that definitely uh, it affects used to everything. used be that January and February were kind of like the dumping grounds for movies yeah. no one wanted yeah. to watch. And mm-hmm. now studios are like, well, there's nothing big coming out at that point. Let's put the movie there. Yeah. I mean, Dumbo, Tim Burton had Alice in Wonderland in March also, like, nine years mm. ago, and he made a billion dollars, so why not? Mm. <laughs> As we're talking about films that made us laugh, uh, Fighting With My Family were, was also surprisingly funny. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Florence Pugh was having a a blinding year. I don't know if she's going to get the um, Tony Collette cast. What do we think to Florence Pugh? I mean, the Midsummer's coming, and... She's pretty great. I saw Midsummer the other day. And uh, 
she's she's pretty damn great. I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. Uh, Australia has to wait till August for midsummer, so I have nothing to say. Oh, they have they have to wait for midsummer for midsummer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, midwinter for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm seeing Midsummer on Thursday, but about Florence Pugh, I think she already is kind of the next big thing because the next movie she has coming up is Black Widow. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm seeing it on Midsummer Wednesday night preview screening. So we are getting that. We are getting that where I live. So there you go. Um, talking about um, next big things, although I, I guess she is probably a big thing already. Um, Eddie Buckley in Wild Rose. Yes. Um, she is amazing, and I really like that film. I just found it really sort of fun and, um, did, you know, was interesting to see, uh, again, um, a story of like a young mother, a young single mother, you know, trying to follow her dream but you know coming to terms with the responsibilities of being a mother just loved how they used country music in a film that's set in the set in scotland where um well country music isn't a thing uh, and she sings all her own songs and my goodness she's such a performer so just to, I just wanted to, before we finish, I know you've probably got other films you'll mention, but I just want to talk about uh, a couple of films that perhaps we did, we all don't agree on. Because I think, again, for debate, I mean, I'm going to go straight to Under the Silver Lake. Um, I, I didn't like it, and I know Bianca. I mean, is there, does anybody else like this film? I loved yeah. it. And Ooh. Bianca was actually on our Piecing It Together episode about it. Um, yeah, and, yeah, it, yeah, it is in my top for the year, for sure. I, I loved it. It's funny how, like, it was my most awaited movie for, like, two years leading up to it. <laughs> Finally came out this year. Um, but I, I think it lived up to to the hype. And I, I can understand how some people would not like it, though. I mean, it is a very, you know, confounding, out there, uh, you know, kind of experience. But I think there's so much to dig into, and it's uh, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because you can sort of project a lot onto that movie and come up with your own sorts of theories like i've come up with my my theories of you know what the film is about uh but you can you know there's a whole reddit sort of subreddit dedicated to conspiracy theories about what under the silver lake is and when you go and read up on those and then go like how have these people jumped to this conclusion it just becomes more entertaining in that respect and i think well is you know even if you don't like that film you can really admire andrew garfield's performance in it i mean he gives it you know 110 percent effort and he's very good at you know shedding that that likable uh, you know, Spider-Man sort of persona and, and coming across as a real jerk in this film. And, finally, you know... He pushed his hair down instead of having that... that <laughs> I don't know what he does with it, that booth oh. on the top, but finally brushed it down like he's just been out, in, out of the shower and he looked, <laughs> he looked, he looked great. Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. 
I mean, there's some really sort of disturbing elements of that, you know, of that film. And, you know, I can see why people don't like it, but um, there was something about it that really intrigued me. And I think it's got one of the best scores of this year. Like, I love that sort of old Hollywood sort of, you know, Hitchcock type of music it's got to it. Um, but it's it's a film like High Life. I, um, I think you're either going to love it or you're going to really hate it. Uh, and I liked both. So. <laughs> yeah, I loved Silver Lake too, but I'm not putting it on my list for the very simple reason that I saw it in Cannes last year, so it counts as a 2018 film for me. Yeah. And I, got, I got to interview the director as well. It was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, we actually asked him. Uh, there was this one interpretation we had that it's really at its core a film about a breakup, and it was like, mm. oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I just love it. Like... Um, it's kind of, you know, with High Life in, as well, like the sort of coming up with your own theories about why this is, you know, why these things are happening and why these people are slowly descending into madness is really fun. And perhaps maybe that's why I like both of those films, just because it gives me a lot to go back and think about. But yeah, does anybody else, just before we go, anybody else have any like guilty pleasures, any films that... Are not great. Did anybody like Dumbo, for example? Is there any other, <laughs> any other films that people liked that other people perhaps loved? Um, I loved, uh, or I, I wouldn't say loved, loved, but I enjoyed Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> oh wow! I, um, I didn't. I think, um, and it's just it's one of the, it's one of the things like I when I when I see a film, it's like what are they trying to say? What are they doing? And I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal and the cast they were amazing. And I just feel like they were having fun with it, and it was more of a commentary on what they were, um, kind of a parody of that whole world. And so if you think about it like that, it just, it was really enjoyable. And I just thought it was, like, it was original, I mean, in, in the in the sense of, I mean, there's so many sequels and things later. I was like, okay, cool, thanks for at least trying to do something weird and different and, you know, whatever. And it was pretty, and it looked pretty, and I wanted, I mean, the costume design was awesome, so I was like, oh, I'll take it. Uh, I do want to like I did quite enjoy Zac Efron in Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Um, I thought he was very good. I just wished the film was better. I agree with that too. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like the movie per se, but I quite enjoyed uh, Terrence Stamp and David Williams in Murder Mystery, the Netflix film oh, yeah. with Adam Sandler. Like, if the whole film had been like the scenes where they those two appear, it would have been. A lot of fun as it is it's just a mixed bag of lots of things that don't really mesh together okay well then i guess mine would have to be alita battle angel because um i know i completely get why people don't like it and of course it's got a very bizarre fandom online which makes <laughs> me somewhat embarrassed to like it but um i just think it's so insane and over the top and fun uh, i like it in the way that i also am a huge defender of speed racer uh, I, I just think it's just a totally uh, kind of mind-blowing experience of a movie that uh, it, it does something very different. I, I don't think it even is in the same class as, like, 
the usual generic, uh, you know, over-the-top CGI action blockbuster. I think it just goes beyond that to a point of like, wow, this is kind of amazing because of how crazy it is. So, wrap up there. I just want to quickly, before we go, obviously you can find me at Pottermy, um, but let's just go around the room quickly and tell us where we can find you. Uh, Catherine, I'll start with you. Yeah, so you can find me um, at Things Cat Loves, and that's C-A-T, um, on Instagram and Twitter, and then you can follow me. Um, I'm the editor-in-chief at Shuffle Online, so you can just follow us at, at Shuffle Online on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Max? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's at IMDBorg. And uh, for my written stuff in English, you can find me from time to time on uh, culturewhisper.com. David? Uh, You can find Piecing It Together on uh, Twitter, at Peapod, and our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And we've got an episode with B coming up uh, on High Life uh, just a week. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I do, I do listen to it, and I do, you know, I do follow all of you guys, and I've been on your websites, and I've, you do really good stuff. Um, a very busy man, Doug. Tell us about your website. Uh, yeah, you can find me at thejamreport.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's Doug Jam, and also in contributing to Filmotomy as well. Gladly so, and Bianca family. Oh, you can find me at Filmotomy. And also follow me on Twitter at CineB2. So CineB2. And, uh, yeah, um, exciting stuff. All my Edinburgh stuff is getting up on there. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. Um, so the podcast, I've been saying this every week, the podcast is, is on Stitcher, it's on iTunes, it's on SoundCloud, and it now is on Spotify. Yep, there he is. Look, you guys look so shocked. You only capture that shit once.